we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly also we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might not be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. So I've just really been thinking about that, and I think God wants us to walk in the newness of what he's given us, and not to look back at the past and what has happened, but to focus on the future and focus what he has for us. So right now, I pray against any guilt from anyone, that they would just be washed clean by the blood of the Lamb, that they would be able to let go of those things that happen and that they would say that is my old man this is not who i am anymore and that they would put their attention onto god amen
day, come on up here. I know I told you to come up when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, but the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, get you right now. Get you right now because, you know, the Lord is moving in a mighty way. And He starts with the children because they believe and they trust in the Lord. Yay, just... Okay, Wednesday was a normal class day. Um, don't be truthful. I didn't even want to come. It was just going to be a plain old trust Jesus. Um, the, the disciples from the boat and all that. And one of the students came in a little bit late. And he sat down and quietly was listening. And he goes, yeah, that's sort of like when Peter sank. He didn't trust Jesus. He took his eyes off of him. And I spun around and I said, you're right. And when I said, you're right, it was like I turned on a light switch. He began to speak in tongues. And when he started to speak in tongues, another girl spoke in tongues. And then half the class was hallelujah, glory, Jesus. And the Holy Spirit plucked into that class, and I witnessed it coming from the mouth of a child. So, trust, that's the name of the game. got to trust Him. Trust Him, and He's going to bring it to us, and it's coming. Press down, shaking together, and overflowing. This church is going to explode. Let's give the Lord a praise offering. It reminded me, I saw a testimony the other day, and southern west virginia there's just a small town there and just an awakening is broken out where in this little church about our size kind of a church where the young people just got filled with the holy spirit and these high school kids they're in their high school now there's a revival breaking out in the high school where the it can't be stopped because it's the holy spirit they have to rent an auditorium from the high school, this is the church uh, in the town rather because people from all over are coming there and just worshiping the Lord, but it's a move of the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit it's not of man it's not of anything we can do it's the Holy Spirit and God is moving and He's starting with the children, the young people, and we thank you Lord let's give Him a praise offering praise Jesus Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. God is so good.
you to have victory. When he says have victory, it's not something that you need to attain, but it's something you need to have faith in. God has given us victory today. We have been declared more than overcomers, more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. God, our what happens to us does not determine our hope. It is what happened through you that determined our hope. The death could not keep our king down. We realize, God, it was a plot to remove any sting of death, any power of hell over our, our life, over our soul. Lord, we receive the life that's not temporal, that does not change with what happens in our day-to-day life, God, but the life that we have is eternal. It didn't have a beginning and it will never have an end. Draw from that life this morning. And we speak life to any bone in our in our life, in our field. Just like speaking to the bones, God. We speak to the bones in our life. We tell them to come alive and become the army of the Lord.
It says in Jeremiah that God has plans for us and it says his plans for you. It actually makes two very clear things of what his plans for you are. And it's these two. It's hope and a future. That's it. Hope and a future. And if what your mind is set on is not bringing you hope, and if what your mind is set on is not preparing a future, it's not God's plans for you. And I just want to invite you to dismiss those thoughts that are coming against your hope and coming against the future. Say, God, I, I want what you have for me. I will overcome, and I am right now an overcomer. Thank you for showing yourself strong, Father. Thank you for teaching us what trust feels like. grab them real quick. Give them a hug. Shake their hand. To hold them. Say, God is overcoming in your situation. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never abandon you. He's giving us an opportunity to look like Him. Just begin to lift them up. Begin to, you're prophesying over them. You're speaking heaven over them. That's prophecy. like us. That is not our identity. That is not who we are. That's not how we think. We think like a king. We don't see problems. We see possibilities. We see opportunities for God to move. We don't see hopelessness. We don't see, uh, we don't see a cliff. We see an opportunity to fly.
Good morning. You're singing that song, you lift up one voice, you lift up one song, and I was just thinking of how we are all in totally different places, and it doesn't matter. If you are down here, you've got a brother or sister next to you who is up here, and they're going to bring you with them, right? We're, we're in it together, one voice. So if you're the person that's up here, you look around for the person who's going through something, and you grab their hand, and you bring them with you. And if you're the person who's down here, you look around for someone who's up here, and you say, hey, I need you to bring me with you. So I just want to encourage you now this morning that one voice, we're doing this together. So I just want to welcome you if you're visiting, or just glad to have you. Um, in our family, worshiping the Lord this morning. I know he's not done, and he's got a word for us this morning. Our ushers, when I go ahead and come down, we're going to take this morning's tithes and offerings. Yes, thank you, Jesus. We know that God is faithful. We've, just, we've heard testimony over testimony this time and time again how faithful he is when we honor him with the tithe and the offering. And so, Father, we, just, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for speaking to our hearts and for just encouraging us and we just ask the Holy Spirit to just be our encourager this morning. If there's anyone who needs increase or who needs a job or who just needs um, a new level of faith in you in the area of their finances and their provisions, we thank you that our trust is in you and our hope is in you in, in our finances. And we just take this morning, this moment right now to honor you in this area. And we just know that we're going to use it for your, you're going to use it for glory and your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. While they're doing that, I um, just want to let you guys know of a few things going on around New Life. Um, we're still having prayer on Monday nights. We've just been going deeper with the Lord. So if you just want to set aside some time to come and soak, the church is open on, at 7 o'clock on Monday nights. And then Wednesday nights we have classes for all ages. And this Thursday is the Garland Day of Prayer. And there are some posters throughout um, the church you can see uh, if that's in downtown Garland. Um, at the, forget the name of it, but look at the posters and you can see the name of it. It's just a good time where the churches come together. You know, it's not just about what New Life is doing, right? But the body as a whole and the community. So that's at 11 a.m. Um, and then they're not in the bulletin, but coming up on the 21st, we're having a Catch the Vision class. And this is kind of our, our membership class for New Life. Um, if you are new here, if you kind of want to know what is our you know, what exactly do we believe? What is our long-term long goals? All that good stuff. If you haven't taken that class and you want to call a new life your home, it's a really good class to take just to see, be, you know, am I on the same page as you? So that is at 8 a.m. on the 21st. And there will probably be a sign-up sheet. Yes, there will be a sign-up sheet um, in coming up for that. So, okay, it is Mission Sunday, and Harold is going to come and do that for you guys. Okay, as the ushers uh, come back up to take our missions offering, most of you know that some of the new people might not. We, uh, we support uh, missionaries in Cambodia, a really dynamic organization over there called New Life Foundation. Um, they've been in Cambodia for about 20 years now, um, really doing a great job spreading the gospel throughout the city of Phnom Penh and all over the country, out in the provinces. Um, many people here actually have been over there on mission trips um, if you've been to Cambodia on a mission trip, go ahead and raise your hand real quick. There's quite a few hands up, at least 10 or so, maybe 12. Um, this summer, there's another opportunity to go. Actually, there's two opportunities. The end of June, Bill and Judy Griego, who are both in the sound booth right now, raise your hands, Bill and Judy. They are going to be going at the end of June if you'd like to join them. Uh, my son Elijah and I are uh, planning to go back at the end of July, and that's Elijah. 
Hey, uh, we're planning to go back at the end of July. So if you just feel the Lord's been telling you, or maybe starting right now, he's telling you to pray about going, it's a real neat opportunity. Bill and Judy's trip, their dates are set. Um, for Elijah and I, we can still be very flexible if somebody wants to, to join in uh, as to what the activities would be and the dates that we'd actually be gone. Um, we, can, we can be flexible on that. So if that's something you're interested in, uh, let myself or Elijah know, or Bill and Judy, and we would uh, love to have you experience that. I know the people that have been there, it's, it's just a great situation. It's really good to be over there helping, and at the same time, you come away feeling like you took away more than you left because it just really blesses you. Yeah. Um, Lord, we just um, thank you this morning for this opportunity to support uh, yes. missionaries in Cambodia. Lord, we just thank you for the, the wonderful work, the great organization there, and the opportunity to join them and, and help in that mission field. Lord, we just thank you for this offering today. Uh, bless those that are giving, and, and we bless this offering as it goes over to work in the mission field. Lord, we pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. I just want to put a quick plug out there um, real quick for uh, if you guys come to New Life and you serve in any department, we had a fun lunch. How many of you guys, how many of you guys serve in, in an area at New Life? Can I see your hand? Just raise your hand. We've got a lot of people out here that serve. And there's, I just want to let you know there's a lot of opportunities for you to be a blessing to your brothers and sisters in Christ around. Um, and not only that is... Uh, is we we love to serve, but we also we also know it's easy it's easy to love what you do, and then it's easy to to it comes becomes actually more of a sacrifice when you get asked to share your blessing because <laughs> you guys know it's more blessed to get uh, to give than it is to receive. That's what the word says, and we have volunteers that come here, and after every Sunday, it's just like, man, I got, I gave to the Lord, and I gave to his kids, and it's an awesome opportunity, and what I want to do is I want to invite you guys, if you, if you would like to serve in an area, there's plenty of departments that uh, we have available for you to serve in, and if you're interested in one of those things, uh, you can let me know, because um, I'm up here talking about it. <laughs> Who would I talk to? You can talk to me. Um, also on our app, we have a little icon that says serve. That is, is where you could jump on and say, hey, David, I would like to select in this. I would like to serve in this department. Now, right now, we have some um, awesome opportunity to serve. Uh, how many of you guys like our lights? You guys like our lights up here? We have, that is fun. Elijah, Elijah, who is just up here, he has done an amazing job with setting this up. And making it extremely servant friendly. <laughs> and if if you're a creative type of person, if you're artistic, there's a there's a, a need there. If you're if you're into kids ministry, if you love children, there's opportunities for you to impart some really long lasting impressions yes. that are going to completely right. turn the direction of right. some of these children. How many of you guys have a have a memory of uh, some sort of kids ministry, uh, some teacher in your life that just like, they made a huge impression on your life and how you view the Lord and love people. I mean, there's opportunities all over. And if you want to, if you want to be a part of the house, if you want to be a part of that step, I really encourage you to come out to the vision class yeah. 
and let us know where you would like to serve because God's doing some awesome stuff in us and he's, he's actually changing us. And as he changes us, he asks us to do things that he's giving us a grace for. So some of you, if you feel a little bit like, what am I doing? If you have one of those, what am I doing questions, or maybe you're like, man, I want to get involved. Or maybe you're like, I don't, I don't, I'm kind of weird. I want to invite you that in both scenarios, the, the fix is serving. It really is. If all else fails, find somewhere to serve. Get your brain off of you. And get your brain on what God is doing through you. Amen? You guys, welcome my dad as he comes and shares this morning the word of God. Amen? And kids are dismissed. Power kids. Tiny tots, you're free to go. Kids are dismissed. Praise God. All right. Test, test, test. What a great atmosphere of the presence of the Lord this morning, wasn't it? Just the presence of God, God's power, it was amazing. And uh, I just was really thrilled as the Lord was just ministering to us. Uh, I wanted to just kind of put a plug in there. Uh, we have a lot of needs, and if God has laid on your heart to serve in any capacity. We would sure love to hear from you. Uh, Bill, I'm a little hot up here. If you could turn my monitors down here just a little bit. Uh, I wanted to acknowledge your brother Solomon. Brother Solomon, would you stand to your feet? Here's a, a pastor minister from South Africa. Uh, he was, he, I, I didn't know, even know he came today. He just dropped in out of the blue. And uh, uh, good to see you, pastor from South Africa. He's ministered here before. Bill, could you hit me down just a little more? I'm getting a lot of feedback up here. A really anointed man of God. We're just so blessed to have you, Pastor, from, from South Africa. How many of you were here last Sunday? How many of you knew that God came into the place last week? I, uh, I have to... Uh, just an amazing things have been happening to me this week. And... Uh, I actually don't even know where to begin, but I, I just know that we are embarking on a journey here that that is a God-centered situation, and uh, the Lord's been asking me some questions about revival and uh, what revival is. And the Lord asked me two simple questions, and for some of you may not this may not come across very well, but the Lord asked me this question. Are you ready for a mess? And uh, I, I said, Lord, uh, I like things decently in order. And God says, well, if I'm going to come into the situation, it might get a little messy. And so I, I'm beginning to realize that, uh, you know, when you want God, when you really want God to have his way. Things may not go according to your plan. And when you really, when you really surrender things on the altar, I mean, when you really let go, uh, it's not that God is into messy things for the sake of just the mess. But you know, one thing the Lord I, I sense is that he likes us to continue to stay in a place where we're trusting him. Because God is constantly seeking 
He's searching. In fact, the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord search to and fro over all the earth whose hearts are right with him. And I, I believe God is looking for a place where he's welcome. How many of you believe God is looking for... Do you know that the Holy Spirit's not welcome every place? He's, he's not welcome every place. You know, you can have your agenda. You can have your song list and your message all laid out. And do you know that there's times where the Lord just wants to show up and he wants to have his way and he wants to work. And it's, it's not, again, for the sake of just being out of order or messy, but what, one thing the Lord loves to do, he loves to minister to his people. He loves to connect with his people. God, God is a God of restoration. He's a God of healing. He's a God of life. And he's a God who is a now God. He's coming to bring a prophetic now revelation. Today, today, if you will hear his voice, do not what? Don't harden your hearts. See, the, 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 the thing about revival is revival always brings and ushers what Jesus referred to is the new wine. And anytime Jesus ushers in something new, the tendency with us is we become so rigid and not very flexible because we love to control. We love to keep our hands on things. We like that because it gives us a sense of security. But the Lord just comes and he just loves to blow things apart sometimes. And uh, n not for the sake of... Uh, Again, bringing any kind of disorder, but the Lord wants to do something that's, as, as Isaiah 55 says, for as the heavens are higher, for as the heavens are high above, as, as my thoughts are higher than your thoughts and my ways than your ways. So God, God wants to bring a revelation of things that are much higher than where we've been thinking. We've been on a, on a level that's, uh, a level that's secure. A level that is, uh, we might feel a sense of control. A level that we feel safe with. And uh, if, if you're coming to New Life for any length of time, uh, all I got is two words for you. Get ready. I, I Get ready for what the Holy Spirit wants. Amen? I want you to jump with me uh, in your Bibles this morning to Isaiah chapter 61, verse 4. <clears throat> Isaiah 61, verse 4. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. And they shall repair, everyone say repair, the ruined cities. The desolation of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks and the son of foreigners. <laughs> shall plow in your vine dressers, but you shall be named the priests of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of 
of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everyone say double. double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. Father, we just thank you today for your presence. Thank you, Father. I can't tell you how humbling it is to be up here when I cannot speak. you to turn with me to another scripture, Isaiah 64, if you can just jump to Isaiah 64, verse 1. Oh, that you would rend the heavens, and that you would come down. The mountains might shake at your presence, that the fire burns, the brushwood, and the fire comes, or causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries. <clears throat> that the nations may tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things for which we did not look. How many of you know God wants to do awesome things that we're not even expecting? You came down. Everyone say, he came down. The mountains shook at your presence. Since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, nor has eye seen, nor, nor seen any God besides you. Who acts? Who acts? Do you know what revival is? Revival is when God acts. When God moves, when God begins to act, and he gives us four things that bring revival. Who acts were those who wait for him. Last Sunday, we were in a place where we, we were just lingering and in the presence of the Lord. And in all the 28 years I've ever pastored, I've never been in a situation where I could not move. I, I was down here, and for about five minutes, I was literally frozen. Uh, and, and I was kind of shaking. And I'm not one that is given to just <clears throat> any kind of sensationalism or manifestations. I, I, I don't even easily fall under the power of the Holy Spirit when it's on me. Some people do. I just don't. But I remember when I was standing down in front in the presence and the power of God came upon me, I could not even open my mouth. 
And it was right after that that I, I saw John, and I, I went over to John. I, I was able to move after a while, and I went over to John. I said, John, do you have a word? I, I feel the Lord is just telling me to hold off. And, uh, and then just the Holy Spirit prophetically began to unveil some things to the church last week that was a, was a remarkable encounter that God brought over the house. And uh, do you know that God opens the heavens like that for a reason? God, God pours out his spirit for a reason. Now, it's, I, I do want to say that he loves to make himself known. And we find here that he acts for those who wait. And he meets those who, number two, rejoices and does righteousness, who remembers you in your ways. Four things here we find that really constitute what a genuine revival is. Now, revival, in short, is when heaven comes to earth, when heaven invades earth. How many of you want God to invade your earth? When heaven begins to invade our lives and our families and and, and, and God begins to pour out his spirit in such a way. Now, one of the things, I, I love history, and I've read a lot of history, and I've, I've done a lot of study on history, and some of my heroes are John G. Lake, Finney, Smith Wigglesworth. I was reading a, uh, uh, a documentary by Smith on some of the revivals in Norway and Sweden back in the early 20s when he was sweeping through some of these coal mining towns and an amazing situation. And, and I think when we, when we use the term revival, I think we really need to understand what it, what it really means. Many of us, I think, believe that revival is just what happens in a church service or a conference where the Holy Spirit shows up and we can experience the power of renewal and that's, that's great and that's awesome, but that's really the beginning stages of a, re a revival. Because real true revival is when what happens in the church begins to change the culture. When it begins to impact the culture in the city. As Isaiah 64 said, that it said, they, that's by the way you, they shall rebuild the ruined cities and the waste places. How many of you know God has put a mandate upon the church to go into all the world and to bring the gospel, the gospel of the good news. It's, it's a gospel. See, the concept of revival is really a gospel of restoration and reconciliation. And when we begin to really understand what we are, not only who we are, but where we are. Let's talk about identity. Thank God we need to know who we are. How many of you know the Lord's translated this? out of darkness from being spiritual orphans to spiritual sons and daughters of the kingdom who understand how to hear the voice, how to walk and talk like royalty as kings and priests where the Lord has so renewed and healed us, where we're no longer living like victims, but we're living victorious. Our walk, our speech, our talk, our vision, the way we communicate, we understand we carry an atmosphere that transforms the lives around us. When you understand the power that is inside of you and that, that there's something you carry that, that's contagious, that can change and transform. And again, I go, I go back to a story when in 1921, Smith was coming into some of the South 
western cities of Sweden and Norway, and he came into one particular city, a, a powerful example, and he would spend several weeks. But where he was at this one time, he came in and started a, a what he, they would refer to as revival or renewal meetings, and he was confronted on the very first night of his meeting by the town drunk, who was a very radical, angry man who really created a lot of disturbance. He was arrested quite a bit of the time, and he came in to, again, disrupt the meeting. Smith Wigglesworth was the kind of guy, he, he actually loved those types of situations because he loved to see the power of God move, and the man was just erratic, very loud, and so Smith Wigglesworth comes up to the man and begins to speak to the unclean spirit in the man. The man completely falls down. By the way, he was also drunk. And when he fell down, and he began to uh, shake violently, but it's amazing how the Holy Spirit just completely made him sober. He got saved, completely delivered, and healed, and become one of the most faithful attendees throughout the rest of that revival through the series of weeks. The interesting thing began to take place that as Smith was ministering during those weeks, the police department, those who were in charge of the police department, uh, had to find some different jobs because there were nobody else to arrest. People started getting saved. Taverns actually began to close. And doctors were losing their clients because they were getting healed in this meeting. By the way, I, I, if any of you want to know the book, I'll give you the book, show you the book uh, where, I, where the story is, is being read and uh, where I read the story. In fact, the doctors got so upset and angry because of the revival that was taking place in this coastal town that they went to the police department and said to them, that Smith Wigglesworth is healing people without a license. <laughs> He's healing without a license. They were upset because they were taking, he was taking clients. People weren't sick. They were getting healed. Not only that, Smith, by the way, is accredited, and I, I shouldn't say him, but, but uh, of raising 21 people from the dead in his life and ministry. By the way, one of which was his wife he raised from the dead. She died. He raised her from the dead. They had dinner. Then she said, Smith, stop bothering me. My work is done here. She went back upstairs and died again. And she went, a true story about Smith. By the way, I've read about 19 books of the man's life. And so uh, I've read quite a, a lot. But, but what happened was is the policeman decided to go to the meetings where Smith was preaching. And there, it was it was standing room, packed house. And as they came down, I mean, they just literally walked down to stop the meeting to tell Smith, you cannot preach, you cannot operate anymore, you have no license, no medical license to heal people. Made sense. Well, as they come down, the chief of police happened to notice the town drunk sitting in the front row with his hands lifted in the air, worshiping the Lord. And as he's worshiping the Lord, the guy was so, the, the sheriff or the, the, the police, the head of police, was so impacted, he turned right around and walked back 
to the doctors that was outside the church and said, when your medicine can do what this Smith Wigglesworth has done, then you come and tell me and I will arrest him. Because no one could stop that drunk. He was, he was like a, Luke, a Mark chapter 5 man who had been filled with a lot of demonic activity. My point is, folks, re revival is when our cities have been restored. When our nation is beginning to call upon the God of heaven and righteousness is beginning to take root in the nation and our culture begins to change. And, and one of the things the Lord began to ask me this week, he said, Ray, are you ready for revival? And I said, Lord, what does that mean? And I don't know why this number came to my mind. But the Lord said, what would you do if I added 300 people to your church? I don't know why 300, but the Lord just dropped that on my mind. I, I said, well, Lord, I, I'd probably panic. <laughs> Be honest with you. Well, what would you do if I added 300 people to the church? And I said, oh, well, Lord, I'd do my best to pastor. And then, and then this is what the Lord said. He says, you better get your team together. And so the, how many of you know that it's not a one-man ministry? We've we, we got to be a team. Because the Lord is going to send some real rough characters in. How many of you are ready for a mess? Revivals will be messy. Because God so loved the world that he gave. He's going to send the kinds of people that we may not be safe or comfortable with. We may not be comfortable with. I, I want you to jump with me in your Bibles to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 9. Are you with me this morning? Acts chapter 9. I want to talk about, for a few minutes, a man who, in my opinion is one of the unsung heroes of the New Testament. This man does not get a lot of attention. But this man is the kind of individual who really carried revival with him. The Lord was able to use this man in helping bring what we refer to Saul of Tarsus, the Apostle Paul. This man was instrumental in leading the Apostle, praying for the uh, Saul of Tarsus and bringing him to an understanding of what it is to have a revelation of Father God. Now we find here that in Acts chapter 9, and as you see it, you all know the story here in Acts 9 verse 1, it says, And Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if, if he found any who were of the way whether men or women, that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Saul was hell-bent in murdering, having Christians in prison. And it says, as he journeyed and came near Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven shined around him. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And trembling and astonished, he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? 
Then the Lord said, Arise, go into the city, and it will be told what you must do. Isn't it amazing that the Lord reveals himself to Saul, but doesn't give him the rest of the revelation? And I really believe there's a reason for that. There's a reason why God gives us knowledge. Paul said, We know in part. We prophesy in part. And I want to say why. Because knowledge is dangerous. And God keeps our feet to the ground and keeps us stable when we have to work in unity with other brothers and sisters. I really believe this was key because of the call that God had on Paul's life. The Lord, the Lord could have said the rest. Could have told him the whole, the whole thing. But he says, no, I want you to go into Damascus, the first thing God does with this apostle, new convert, is that he puts them under authority and puts them right in the church, in the body of Christ, with the very people that he's trying to kill. Now what happens here is this man, Saul, has become blinded. By the way, I would like to suggest to you he's not blind because of the wrath of God. He's blind, I believe, is because of God's goodness. I believe when he saw the love of God, there's something about actually encountering God's love that brings any person to a place where they realize that what I know and the way I see things, I, it just brings you to a place where you realize you don't see and you, you have to be led. That's, that's, a, that's a great place to be, by the way, is when, when, you're, when you know you're not a know-it-all, but that you're a place at, at humility and Paul, Saul here, could not see. And it says in verse 8 that they led him by the hand, brought him to Damascus, and he was there three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now I love it's where it starts here in verse 10. To me, this capsulizes true revival. And there was a certain disciple in Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said to a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. Everyone say that with me. Here I am, Lord. How many of you are ready to hear a word from the Lord that's going to radically change the way you view things? Here I am, Lord. By the way, sometimes God may speak to us in visions, dreams, pastors, leaders, Christian brothers and sisters. Ananias was a man of prayer. He's hearing from God. And so the Lord says to him, verse 11, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for the one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias. I would have stopped the Holy Spirit right there and said, Time out! I don't think he saw me. At least I don't think I would want a terrorist to see me. And in a vision he saw Ananias coming and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. And Ananias said, Lord, I've heard from many about this man. How much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. Let me just say this. Revival has to go beyond the walls of the church. Revival has to go beyond just loving people that were safe with loving. Amen. 
Revival needs to move beyond the box that we live in. I, I have to tell you, folks, for years, I thought revival was just having awesome church services and the presence of God and the gifts were flowing, and then we leave and go back on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, back into our world out there and not really shine, not really impact anything. But here, what revival is, is when God can actually speak to you and get you to move beyond box thinking, outside of your box, and begin to help you to begin to cross some lines and cross certain barriers that we've had within our own mind, certain insecurities. Let, let me tell you who Ananias was. I believe Ananias did not have an orphan spirit. I believe he was a son. I believe he had a revelation of the father. I believe this man understood that it wasn't just who he was, but it was where he was that gave him the confidence to be able to go and do something that was beyond his own human understanding and strength. How many of you know that we need to function as sons of God? Because when you have an orphan spirit and you feel that small and you feel like you're a victim and you do not feel that you can witness, you can't speak, you can't talk, you're more concerned about the approval of man and what people will think about you. Let me tell you, the kingdom of heaven suffers because of that kind of mentality. And in the weeks to have come, I'm going to be speaking, by the way, on, on the renewing of our minds on Wednesdays as well as on some Sundays here, on breaking the orphan spirit and developing the mind of a servant son. Because God is calling many sons and daughters into the kingdom, and these sons are those who understand their relationship to the Father. Not only do they understand their identity, but they understand their place. And what is our place as a son? We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Because you see, it's where you know you are at that gives you the confidence that where you are going and what you are walking through that gives you the confidence to face the Saul's of Tarsus. Because God's going to call us to confront some situation that's going to take more than just human confidence. It's going to take supernatural wisdom, supernatural anointing, supernatural love. I believe that, 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 that Ananias begin, and this is the first thing about any kind of revival, is when a church begins to repent. And I'm not talking about repentance from sin. That, that's taken care of. We, we've turned from our sin. We've come out of darkness. We've, when, I'm talking about the kind of radical change in our minds where we stop thinking like we're orphans and just waiting for the coming of rapture, but we understand the plan, the purpose, the calling that God has for us in the here and now to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. This church is going to become a multiracial church. This church is going to become a, a church that reaches out to every kind of culture, creed. We are going to embrace all men. You see, the thing that's going to, that, that makes the impact in our world, and it gives credibility to the, to the gospel. And Jesus said it in John, in John 15. He says, and they shall know that you are my disciples by your love. Ananias was walking in the kind of revelation and understanding 
based upon not only as a son and the authority that he had and the confidence because of his relationship to his heavenly father. He knew that by obeying God, by the way, I want to tell you something. I do not believe he felt good about this. How many of you know that sons do not act on their emotions and feelings and their insecurities? Sons act on their sense of destiny and based upon their covenant relationship to their father. Sons act on obedience. Ananias, I believe, was not a baby, insecure Christian. He was not easily offended. He was not put out because, oh, somebody stepped on his toes. This man was a son. Sons rise up above offenses. They rise up above the problems. And they say, you know what, Lord? All things are possible because greater is he who is in me than he that's in the world. You see, only sons have the ability to see the end from the beginning. And, and I honestly believe that Ananias, who was not only experiencing revival, but he carried revival into such a degree that he was able to impart revival to a person who was as Saul of Tarsus, as, as vulnerable and as weak as Saul was. I wonder how many of us, if we had some homosexuals, maybe some terrorists come into New Life Fellowship. Well, what would happen if, if we have some people that are in the occult that come into our church right now? How many of us would reach out and do what Ananias did with Saul? Because as we come on down the passage here, I want you to see what this guy did. He did a major metamorphosis. There was a major transition in his thinking from fear and indiscretion into sonship and authority. Notice what he does. The Lord says he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name. And it says, and Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him. In other words, he embraced this guy. Elijah, would you come here? Amen. I believe Ananias did this. Welcome to the family, Saul. He laid his hands on him. He got touchy-feely. I welcome you as my brother. Now, I know some of us today, wow, ooh, don't touch me. You dirty, defiled thing, you. No, he comes up, he lays his hands on him. Brother Saul. You see, in the New Testament, you didn't address anyone. Thank you, Elijah. Give that man an awesome man. You didn't address anyone who was a brother unless they were truly con connected and converted. And Ananias comes up to this man who he knows. Who he knows. This guy's a terrorist. He's a murderer. This guy could... Who, I wonder if Ananias had any second thoughts about whether he heard from God. I wonder if there was any kind of second thoughts. Well, well I tell you what. Ooh, wow. My family... Could, I, I, I could be... A, my wife could be a widow today. Wow. I mean, this, this guy, maybe he's checking me out to find my family and then connect with some other saints. And maybe this is just a sabotage. Maybe he's coming into this situation to, 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 to trick me. But I want to tell you something. I believe Ananias had a relationship 
with the Holy Spirit, and he was able to discern the difference between human voice, his own emotions, and the Holy Spirit. And folks, we're going we're gonna to learn to do that as we come into that place of sonship. Because you see, Ananias, I, like I said, I, I don't think this guy gets a lot of credit. A lot of focus is on Paul and after his conversion. But thank God for the man, Ananias, who obeyed the Lord, was able to, he just didn't suppress his feelings and emotions, but he had to repent. He had to change the way he was thinking. He had to come up into a different level of thinking, and he had to be able to look at Saul of Tarsus with new eyes. And the only thing that that can bring about in our life is when we've been transformed ourselves by the power of God's great love. Jesus one day said to him who has been forgiven much, the same loves much. I believe when he comes in there and he puts his hands and he says, Brother saw the Lord Jesus who has appeared to you on the road, has sent me that you may receive your sight and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know who Ananias was? Ananias was Saul's answer to Saul's problem. Do you know that you're an answer to a problem? Turn to your neighbor and say, you are the answer to some's problem. You're the answer. That's right. Saul had a problem. Saul had a need. And God sent the answer through Ananias. Do you know Ananias was the extension of the father to Saul? He extended his love. Not only did he just love him, he didn't just with a stiff arm, he embraced him, he declared over him that he was a brother, and then he begins to prophesy. By the way, I, I, I want to just acknowledge uh, uh, Brother James here who did it's just a masterful job on renewing the mind the past few weeks and talking about declaring over people. Do you know that you have not only the gifts, but you have authority and the power to bring about transformation and life change as we begin to declare even over people that may not even know the Lord. That's, that's what Ananias was doing. Now Ananias begins to declare and he says, you're a chosen vessel. Notice what he didn't say. I'm here to tell you, Saul, you really caused a lot of problems, you caught a lot of pain. But thank God for his mercy. Hallelujah. I'm so glad God's merciful. Because I'll tell you right now, if I was the Holy Spirit, I sure wouldn't have saved you. I would have probably sent you right down where you belong. There's some people that got to put a few little jabs in her. I want to tell you something. When you are walking in wholeness, you don't have to throw any jabs. You can see people as new creatures in Christ. New creatures. Now, I want you to jump with me in closing into 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. What is revival? Let me tell you what revival is. Revival is you and me allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal the Father through us to our world around us. Notice what the Apostle Paul speaking. Now this is Paul years later. He's an apostle. He's a spiritual father. He's giving instruction to the church at Corinth here in 2 Corinthians 5. And he says, verse 13, for if we are beside ourselves. And one translation says, man, if I sound like I'm out of my mind, 
because of the love of God. Do you know the love of God can just bring such an explosion of emotions when you begin to come to know him? That's what Paul says. If I sound like I'm out of my mind, I'm beside myself. The love of God constrains me, he goes on here to say. Because we judge this, if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who should live should no longer live for themselves. One of the most important things, if we are going to truly connect and bring revival to our generation and see the ruined cities rebuilt and the old waste places uh, rebuilt again, for that to happen, how many of you know we need to understand the, 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 the principle of the cross? We need to understand what it is that we died with Christ, that we no longer live for ourselves. Because you see, if you're still living for yourself, you're still going to get offended. You're still going to get afraid. You're still going to get weirded out. You're going to find yourself backing off. So, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute, God. I don't know. Paul said here, he died for all, and those who should live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose. Therefore, from now on, everyone say, from now on. From now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we know him no longer. From now on, I'm not weak. From now on. I'm not living in the past. I'm not held hostage. From now on, I'm a mighty man of God. I'm a mighty woman of God. From now on, I have a future. I have a hope. I have a word. I have a destiny. I'm a son. I'm not an orphan. I'm not living like a victim. I'm not weak. I'm not, I'm not held hostage to my past and my sin and what others have told I'm not held hostage to the offenses of what others have done to me. You see, orphans continually rehearse about what others have done, where sons rise above it and they recognize something much greater, much higher, something to be attained. They press for the mark of the prize of the high calling. They know how to forget. They know how to let go. I'm going to let go of these things. I used to have a problem with homosexuals and people in the... I used to have a problem with people that were drunkards and, and alcoholics and, and drug dealers. But from now on, I see you as a child of God. I see you as a new creature in Christ. I see you as a person that Jesus died for. There's a treasure. Jesus wouldn't have died for them if he didn't see the treasure in them. Every person has value. And you see, when, when you're walking in true revival, because, by the way, the, the word revival is taken from the root word revive, which means to bring back from the dead. Everything you do should be re bringing resurrection life. Your marriage should be getting better, stronger, from glory to glory. Your children are reflecting decisions that, that are becoming stronger. The, the days getting, are getting brighter. Your marriage is becoming stronger. The resurrection life reveals itself in every aspect of my life. Your conversation, your thought life, your dreams, your plans. You see, you see the beauty. The Bible says he's given us beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for the garment of prayer. You see the beauty in people. You pronounce, you declare beauty on them. In fact, right now, just turn to your brother and just say, your sister says, there's beauty on you. 
there's beauty on you. I know for some of us guys that might be tough to say that, but the, the beauty that he's talking about is the glorious reflection of Jesus himself. There's Jesus on you. And that Jesus is the faith. It's the life. It's the hope that he is constantly conveying to people. And here we find that, that when Ananias, or the Apostle Paul, I'm sorry, he comes down here and says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. In other words, what Jesus has done at the cross through his resurrection has restored us back to that place where, we, where Adam had fallen in the garden. We not only have fellowship, but the Bible says that he has crowned us. The Bible says that he has seated us, and he calls us kings and priests. You need to be thinking like a king. You need to be talking like a king. You need to be speaking royalty. I'm not talking about being arrogant. I know today when we think about kings, we think about kings and their arrogance and their riches and their wealth and, and their lavish lifestyles. And, and many of them are selfish in their thinking. But when we, when we come to the gospel, we need to, again, repent and we need to change our thinking about what it means to rule and reign with Christ. Because ruling and reigning doesn't mean that you're up here and everybody's down here. But rather, a true king is the one who lays down his life for his brothers. Most kings send their people off the battle to fight their battles for them. But in this kingdom, Jesus, our king, went to fight a battle that we could never win. And he laid down his life for his people. Jesus being the firstborn among many brethren means that as he is, so are we in the world. That means that you have the same power, the same anointing, the same glory rests upon you. In fact, Jesus even said, you're going to do greater works. You're going to go beyond. You, you know that it's the desire of every father for his sons and daughters to go beyond it. Jesus released his disciples. He says, guys... You think, you, you, you think I've done some things? You guys are going to do greater than what I've done. How many of you believe that we need to begin to uh, uh, tra train and see our minds transformed to start thinking some, some pretty big thoughts? We need to start thinking. Notice this, verse 18. Now all things, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Not only does he re reconcile and restore me, but he gives me the ability, the ministry, the anointing to reconcile and restore others. See, there is no person in the body of Christ that can say, you know what, I, I just don't know what my place is and I really don't, I really can't do anything for the kingdom. So I'm just kind of be I'm just kind of be a wallflower over here for Jesus. By the way, there is no such thing as wallflowers for Jesus. God has equipped you, He's blessed you, He's anointed you, He's empowered you, He's raised you, He saved you, He has sent you, and He has put some powerful treasures and powerful seed into your arsenal. And wherever you go, you are intended to turn your world upside down, bring life, bring hope, bring future, bring purpose, bring power. You see, the kingdom of God, the Bible says, is not in word, but in power. 
you were intended to bring and make a difference. I, 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 I'm thankful for great preaching, but Jesus, the Holy Spirit's been speaking to me. He says, Ray, I want the kingdom to be more than just word. It needs to be in power. It's the Ananias. Here's the word. And as a mature son that he is, he begins to translate. It was a difficult, it's a challenging word. But sons, sons rise up. Orphans run away. Sons say, you know what? I can do all things through Christ. I can do this. I can forgive. I can help. I can heal. The Lord can use me. Notice what he says. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world, verse, verse 19, to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. I can just imagine Ananias telling Saul of Tarsus, I know that you were a murderer. I know that you, you set out to destroy the church. But I want you to know that from now on, that's all behind you. You're a new man. God has chosen you. And do you know what, Saul? He's also entrusted you to, to be able to suffer for him. What Ananias was saying is the Father is trusting you. He's entrusting you with the ability to suffer for him and bring glory to his name. What a testimony. What a testimony for the Father to say, you know what? I'm going to entrust you with something that others may not be able to go to because I trust it. Do you know that the Father trusts you? Wow, that's pretty silent. You may say, well, how come? It's not about you, and it's not about what you do. It's because of the Holy Spirit in you. That's why he trusts you. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. See, the Father is entrusting us to do something that we can't do in our own strength. That's why. Ananias had such a powerful prophetic declaration over this man. And so he says, not imputing, committed us to the word of reconciliation. That's, that's our ministry. That's the vision. That's the goal. Verse 20. Now then, everyone say now. now. We are ambassadors. The apostle Paul intentionally chooses this word, ambassadors. Do you know what an ambassador is? An ambassador was a high-ranking official who had diplomatic abilities. He was a communicator, but they were authorized. They were sent by the, the, the a government or the country that they were citizens in, and they were authorized to carry, they were entrusted to carry a message. They also were empowered to dispatch military operations if needed. They were also, they're also authorized as well as to have access to resources. When the Apostle Paul uses the word ambassadors, what he is saying to every believer is that you are in a high-ranking, highly favored position with authority to actually change governments. You have the power to speak on behalf of the authority of the king you represent. Paul didn't say, well, we're just kind of sending you as kind of a, kind of a foreigner, as a little travel, uh, travelers over there in some country. No, he says, you're ambassadors. 
Paul is trying to say that, listen, there, there, there's some punch here. There's some authority. There's, there, there is some power. There's some life. Four things about revival that I think sums up the life of Ananias. Ananias was a man who when the Lord called him, he was able to, first of all, repent. He was able to change gears. He was able to shift gears into a place where he was able to look at the bigger picture. Can you see the bigger picture in your life right now? How many of you believe God wants to bless you so you can be a blessing? How many of you believe God wants to use your... How many of you believe... Don't raise your hands. Some of you come out of a past where you have a testimony you might be ashamed of. Do you know God's going to use your testimony to set others free? Your testimony is nothing but... Sometimes the devil loves to use our testimony as a way to hold us hostage to our past where God uses our testimony to bring and set at liberty others that are bruised and set them free. But see, I need to repent. I need to change the way I'm looking at my life, the way I'm looking at myself, the way I'm looking at where I've come through, what I've been walking through. God has something so much greater, so much bigger, and yet I've become so narrow in my thinking. When God is a God who's a great God who loves to do great things with his people. You see, we, we've got to get a hold of this concept of greatness because our God is great. And he does great things. And he wants to do greater things in you. Sometimes we think so small. Yeah. And the second thing here we find that not only he was a man of prayer. Ananias was a man. I want to tell you folks there will be no revival without people who will not pray. If we are not people of prayer who know how to, not, I'm, I'm not talking about just shouting a bunch of words. I'm talking about people who really know how to hear from God. Because God's going to be speaking some things that's going to cause some challenges in our life. He's going to ask, actually ask us to be the ones that are going to encounter some souls of Tarsus. We might say, Lord, not me, oh Lord. Them. No, God says, you're the man, you're the woman, you're the one who's equipped, you're anointed, I blessed you, I've equipped you. Stop saying you can't do it. Start throw down the I can'ts and start saying I can do all things. We've got to change. Let me tell you something about Ananias. I love it. His vocabulary changed. We've got to start changing. By the way, a renewed mind comes with a renewed mouth. Because if you don't renew your mouth, your mind is going to continue going down the same old narrow mind, narrow way you've been walking. You've got to change your mouth. By the way, do you know why God asks us to confess with our mouth? It's because we have a lot of strongholds in our mind. God asks us to say things that our minds contradict. There are things in our minds. There are doubts. There's fears. There's beliefs. There's ways of thinking that God says, I want you to confess and speak to your mountain. Well, God, I just don't agree with it. Say it anyway. And as you begin to speak it, do you know what the word does? The word, the word is a creative word. It creates, it changes, it destroys the strongholds and the powers that are in your thinking. That's why when we come into the house of the Lord, one of the things that's about a powerful church, is when we begin to offer unto God the sacrifice of praise, that is with the fruit of our lips, lifting up hands without wrath, lifting our hands without doubting. When you begin to worship the Lord, do you know what happens? It says God inhabits the praises of his people. What God is trying to get us to do is he's trying to get us to speak. Now this is going to sound crazy. Sometimes he wants us to speak without thinking. Because he doesn't need your help. 
He doesn't need your brain. He wants you to confess what he says so he can begin to open the heavens on your life. Ananias understood it. He goes and he by faith launches out and he begins to declare this thing. The third thing is this. Ananias had eyes that were anointed. He began to see something in Saul that he didn't see before. How many of you know God wants us to begin, God wants to give us eyes to see as our Heavenly Father sees? There's people around you right now, there's people in your neighborhood right now that are hurting, they're broken, and they're waiting for you to come and begin to declare a prophetic word of hope and future and life. The last thing is this, and it's so important on this, on this thing here, is that, that Ananias begin to move into a, a prophetic revelation. We need to begin to have eyes of the prophetic. Amen? I, I want to close with this one comment by uh, Pastor Bill Johnson. I, I just thought it was so good what he said, and with this I'm done. He said, the journey of renewing our mind begins with the reorientation of our thoughts toward the fundamental expression of Christianity. If Romans 8.11 is indeed true, and of course Romans 8.11 says, but if the spirit of, of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. If Romans 8.11 is indeed true, the spirit of the resurrected Christ actually does live inside of me, I must conclude that powerless Christianity is inexcusable and unacceptable. It is also necessary in the days ahead that, that the goal is simple. We are going to discover what it means to think from God's perspective and how to embrace this new, as this as our new normal demonstration of the Christian life. Momentum is increasing across the earth. As believers embrace the invitation of the renewed mind, what used to be abnormal or uncommon increase is increasing in frequency. Miracles are happening around the world on a weekly, if not daily basis. The level of breakthrough we used to yearn for, we are now seeing happen with consistency. It is a revolutionary approach to Christian living to return to the authentic. What is causing this shift it is not something new. If anything, believers are embracing the foundational perspective that the disciples of Christ maintained as they turned the world upside down after Pentecost. Romans 8.11 was not some theology concept or idea uh, to them. Rather, these men and women who walked with Jesus, watched what he did, recognized that they received the same Holy Spirit who empowered Jesus to perform miracles, signs, and wonders that he walked in. The same lifestyle is avail available for us today. Can you say amen? Let's just bow our heads, shall we? Our eyes have not seen. Our ears have not heard. Nor entered in the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them. I love it. I made a promise to the Lord this week. I said to the Lord, I will not go back. And I, I mean that. Because if I have to go back, I'm not going to pastor. I don't want to pastor a church like the way I pastor. If we don't move forward, if we're not a church moving forward in the things of the Holy Spirit, then we're dying.
Only living things move ahead. We're either moving forward, standing still, or going backwards. I do not want to go back. Whatever the cost. I believe we're going to see some amazing things in healing, revelation. I think what John said this morning about children and what happened in Gay's class this week was not an accident. I believe we're gonna see more outpourings even with our children. I think we're to expect the unexpected. I believe that this is a day of the double portion. I believe God has called us to repair the ruined cities, the desolation of many generations. God has called us to repair because God is a restoring God. He's a God who restores, he heals, he makes life. With every head bowed, maybe this morning you may say, Pastor Ray, I want to move forward. I want to move forward with what God is saying in my own life. I want to embrace the power of the Holy Spirit in a new way, as Ananias did. I want to embrace the impossible. I want to believe God for revival in my life. If that's you this morning, just raise your hand. I'm going to just pray with you. Father, we just... We just thank you, Lord. You're an awesome God. Thank you for people like Ananias. Thank you, Lord, for servants who were sold out, who were willing to make that shift, to bring great servants like Saul of Tarsus into the kingdom. There's many Sauls that are coming into our churches, many that will not be saved in churches or even evangelistic crusades. Saul was not saved in church. He was saved by a personal encounter from the Father. They're going to come to the church and how are we going to meet them? What are we going to do? Is the love of God going to be poured out? Or are we going to reject them? Our doors are open to the lost. Our doors are open to every man. Because Jesus died for all. He died for all. Father, we just thank you today. We thank you for the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Lord, just continue, Lord, to just fan that fire, that flame in us. Open our eyes that we might see you, Jesus. It's all about you, Lord. It's not about us. It's all about you. In Jesus' name. You stand to your feet. <clears throat> This morning, I, I know I'm going to dismiss you, but I, I have to say this. I, I forgot, and the Lord reminded me. This morning, as I was in prayer, I felt the Lord speak to me about someone who has glaucoma. Does someone have glaucoma in their eyes? I felt like the Lord speak to me that he wants to touch your eye and heal you. Several years ago, we had a woman in our church by the name of Janet Berzee. She was sitting right down. The Lord healed her of glaucoma several years ago. It so impacted the healing that her daughter come to the Lord. 
If anyone has that, does anybody have glaucoma? Okay. Phil, when you want to, I, I just feel like the Lord wants us to pray for you right now. In fact, tell you what, go ahead, Nia, and just lay your hands on him right now. Just, I, I felt glaucoma. Uh, by the way, there's one more. Someone came to church this morning with a serious migraine headache. I'm not just talking about a, a normal headache. There was a real migraine headache. Is that you? Could you just wave at me? I felt the Lord wanted to touch your body just today. Anybody's there? Okay, I don't see a hand there. Father, we just thank you for the healing power that's in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for Bill Gregg, oh Lord, the servant of God that he is, and we just, we just speak to that glaucoma in Jesus' name, and we command it to wither out of his body. We command it to leave, and we pray, Lord, for clarity of vision, complete restoration, Lord, of his iris and his lens. Father, we thank you that there's healing power in the name, and we thank you for the faith that is an unshakable faith that Bill has for you, Lord, and we just declare healing over his eyes, Lord, that perfect vision will be restored in the name of Jesus, and we give you praise. We give you praise. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. John, do you have anything? Praise God. All right, well, let's turn to someone, give them a hug. God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord. Be blessed, my brothers and sisters.